When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, this is Larry H. Russell. Thank you for downloading another edition of Celtics Beat. Today's episode is being brought to you by our sponsors, the home of online video tutorials, lynda.com and Casper. Casper's mattresses are premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. And to get $50 off any mattress purchase at casper.com, visit casper.com slash Celtics and enter promo code Celtics. Thank you for joining us once again and listening whenever you may be. It is Sunday, June 7th, 2015. I'm Larry H. Russell, and this is Celtics Beat being brought to you today by Linda and Casper. L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash CLNS for a free 10-day trial of online video tutorials. And Casper Mattresses, premium mattresses for a fraction of the price with free shipping and a 100-day trial so you don't have to lie down in a showroom and experience the comfort for yourself. And as a Celtics Beat loyal listener, head on over to casper.com slash Celtics and enter the promo code Celtics to get $50 off your first purchase. This is Celtics Beat, but guess what? Today, going to talk a bit more about basketball that is actually being played. We forgive you if you may forget that they still are playing basketball considering a grand total of one basketball game has been played over these last 10, 11 days, whatever it is. That's a story for another day. I'll get my take on it. And most importantly, Peter Vesey, longtime and legendary basketball scribe, many years at the New York Post. He'll be our guest. We'll talk about that along with so much more. There is so much to talk about. We'll chat about Game 1, Game 2, which is tonight, this series in general, some other pressing NBA stories. And yes, we got to get a little Celtics talk in there. But I'm not going to lie because for now, for this brief instance, I am a little burnt out with the Celtics talk, or more accurately, lack of relevant talk. Keyword, relevant. Because right now, there is none. Right now, fans, certain members of the media are grasping at straws, to put it bluntly. Every blurb, every mention, it's becoming a story in itself. Some stories are being made up out of thin air. There was one that ran on a major network. I will not mention who, nor will I mention the author who took a suggestion made on this show in our conversation with Jeff Goodman last week and actually made a story out of it. That's as far as we will go with that. But even the other stuff, 
Yeah, the Celtics may trade up. Free agent that's scheduled to hit the market. Someone makes a rumor out of it and links their name with the Celtics, even with no legitimate sourcing whatsoever. And that becomes a story, and then it gets dissected 10 different, 15 different ways, all in the sense of basically creating dialogue and discussion. What do we? Is this the way we have to sort of kill time and entertain ourselves leading up to what we do know and what we do expect to be a very exciting Celtics offseason? Yes, I'm willing to wait because right now we're actually just few weeks away from the NBA draft when it really will pick up with legitimate stories and legitimate discussions. But right now, enough. I think it's time to be patient a bit. I certainly have no qualms talking about the possibilities. In fact, I thoroughly enjoy it. However, it is a bit taxing dissecting everything and things that just are not there. And right now, this is the moratorium period. We got the pre-draft workouts. There are some good things that'll come out of that, some very interesting things, but it needs more time before we see stuff to really materialize. You know, we got players being guaranteed, being shut down by their agents. That's when some of the dominoes really fall around the league. But until they do, I'm more than willing to maintain patience for my Celtics news, and I strongly suggest other Celtics fans to do so as well. Clear your mind a little bit. Sort of maybe do a little meditating in terms of Celtics uh, information. Because right now there's basketball out there. Great basketball, as a matter of fact. One of the more sexy NBA Finals matchups in quite some time. Yes, we had to wait for it as if it were a Super Bowl with a bye week. But finally, it is underway. We have Game 2 tonight after Game 1, Golden State. Victorious in an incredible contest, 108 to 100. But as good as that game was, is this it? Did the Warriors absorb the Cavs' best shot back on Thursday? This is what I said on the show last week. I cannot, for the life of me, see the Cavs winning a game in Oakland. I just cannot. LeBron James had his LeBron game 42 points in regulation. He finished with 44, scoring a garbage-time bucket for the Cavs in OT just to get the Cavs off the schneid there in overtime as they were nearly shut out. But Golden State, first off, that home court, in my opinion, is the best in NBA history. It is better than the mid-1980s Boston Celtics. I know the Celtics had the better record. Record rise going 40-1 and in 1986, including a perfect postseason. They came back the next year, if people forget, they were 39-2 and at home in 1987. Boston had it with that crowd, but that Warriors crowd is, for my money, I've, I've never seen a better crowd. And, right off, you know, let's have a little fun with this. Let's engage our audience and make this our reached question of the day. www.reachedapp.com slash CLNS. That's R-E-A-C-H-T-A-P-P dot com slash CLNS. Or we'll post a link to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Beat. Our reached question of the day is being brought to you by Casper. Casper's mattress is an obsessively engineered mattress using two technologies, latex and memory foam, which come together for better nights and brighter days. It's a comfortable mattress that has just the right sink and bounce. A Casper mattress provides long-lasting comfort and support, and you can buy it easily online and completely risk-free. Casper offers free delivery and painless returns with a 100-day period so you don't have to lie down in a showroom. Get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king-size mattress. 
and you can save an additional $50 as one of our audience members by going to casper.com slash Celtics. That's casper.com slash Celtics and entering the promo code Celtics. Here goes it. After game one and what you saw, or more accurately, what you heard, who do you think has or had the best home court advantage in NBA history? Is it this year's 2015 Golden State Warriors? The 1980s Boston Celtics, the 1960s Boston Celtics, the 1990s Chicago Bulls, particularly when it was in that old Chicago stadium. That was a madhouse. Or here's another rated team, the 1995 Orlando Magic in the arena. Which of those teams do you believe has or had, past teams, the best home court advantage in NBA history? Again, log on to www.reachdap.com. Love to hear back from you. I will take this year's Warriors team. Or even in recent years when they had terrible teams, that crowd, as we knew, they were there. Now they're good. I don't think I've personally ever seen a crowd that exuberant for an entire game. The adrenaline, they can supply their players. I'd love to see a study done on this by some of our top neuroscientists in this country. But the effect that the crowd can have, especially on that team, is just so visible. And I clearly thought it was Golden State's MVP back on Thursday for that game. I really do. If that game is played on a neutral court, let alone in Cleveland, I think the Cavs win that one in a blowout. But, hey, they were huge in Game 1. I expect the fans to be there in Game 2. I mean, they're there for regular season games in January against Minnesota. They're definitely going to be there for the NBA Finals on a Sunday night. But it clearly had the impact, as it so often does Especially with those energy guys, the bench guys, they had huge games for Golden State. You saw Andre Iguodala. He was able to dial it back to 2009 a bit. Made some very athletic plays, some big plays that really turned the momentum, especially when the starters were a little flat for the Warriors. Guys that have been there all year, like Maurice Spites as well, he had a decent game. He had a big jump shot there in the fourth. And credit to Bob Myers, the Warriors GM, by the way. Everyone talks about their backcourt, but that's a complete team. They are solid all the way around, especially that bench. Very versatile. Some great offseason pickups like Sean Livingston, who had a very nice season for the Nets last year. I remember talking with Ian Eagle on this show about that. I thought he played pretty well back on Thursday. Those were definitely the keys for Golden State. Their bench thoroughly dominated that razor-thin Cavs bench, which has nothing right now. Just nothing. J.R. Smith had nine points. It didn't even feel like that when I checked the box score because watching the game— he was absolutely horrible. We talk about MVPs. J.R. Smith was the Cavs' LVP, the only other guy for the Cavs who had a good game. Well, Timothy Mozgov definitely came to play in game one, along with LeBron, but Kyrie Irving. Then he goes out. He hurts his knee in overtime. He's already banged up throughout these playoffs. Now he's at best, at best, a major, major question mark going forward. The only other guy... If you are the Cavs, you can count on to make an impact night in and night out to go along with LeBron James. At best, he'll be limited as he already has been to an extent. So if you're the Cavs, what do you do? You already were, as I said, the words I used, razor thin before, and now it pretty much is what everyone dreaded. You're the 2007 Cleveland Cavaliers. You're LeBron James and a bunch of other guys named Fred, a team of Band-Aids and journeymen. How in God's name can you take down that Warriors team already up one nothing going into tonight's game two? You already have a significant disadvantage having to play four of the possible seven games. Now it'll be three of the possible next, you know, six. Maybe the toughest place to play in NBA history. The Warriors are the better team, the deeper and fresher team. You're already badly, badly, badly outmatched with the bench. 
They can come in as they did back on Thursday night and dominate you. They can dominate the Cavs for some key moments and completely turn the game around. Golden State starters, they were okay in game one. They weren't great, and we know that they have the capabilities of being great. Dream on green. He had his game. He made some nice plays, but hey, he was 4-13. He can be better. Stephen Curry, he was very good, but we know just like LeBron scoring 44, Steph is more than capable of doing the exact same thing. How would the Cavs counter that the way the Warriors did in Game 1 with LeBron? I like to think Steph is going to have a game like that. I really do. The guy who was off, and I have to. I just absolutely have to get into this with Peter, and I love to get my take in this too, was Clay Thompson, who despite passing all of his tests, because as we know with concussion exams, particularly with those conducted by sports teams, they are shady at best. He was not on the mark on Thursday, and going forward, I am not sure he will be, and quite frankly, I think it's a major question as is that he should even be playing. I want to discuss this with Peter, and as I just have some questions on this and how everything is being examined here, because this whole situation with him seemed and still seems iffy at best. We'll definitely get into that when we bring Peter on in a few minutes here. But yeah, what we all thought was going to be a great series. We got an excellent and very entertaining all-around game one from a fan standpoint that watches NBA basketball as if it were a Broadway play and we want things to play out in a certain particular way. Well, it did so. We got a virtuoso LeBron James game. We got a great crowd in Oakland. We saw the Warriors play the way they did. It was close. It went to overtime. I mean, we got that. However, over these last few minutes, I painted a pretty bleak picture for the Cleveland Cavaliers here. I really did. But hey, it's playing out well so far one game. Playing out, just as I said on this show last week, where I stated, I just do not see the Cavs winning a game in Oakland. I just can't. And if they can't win there with LeBron going for 44 and Golden State starters playing a B-minus game, well, they aren't going to win. So after one game, I stand by my pre-series prediction. Golden State getting both in Oakland. That means tonight. Then I think they'll squeeze out one there in Cleveland, likely that middle game, and then they'll return home for game six and trounce them to clinch the title. This series, still interesting, still has its storylines, but there's no question that the Warriors took a major step forward at winning the franchise's first championship in 40 years back on Thursday. They have game two home again tonight. We have Peter Vesey coming up in just a few moments, but before we cut to a commercial break, I want to take this opportunity to tell basketball fans in the area that the Bleacher Bar in the Fenway area is hosting and put on by Rally Sports. Fans who wish to attend are to wear some of their favorite throwback gear and will have a chance to win a slew of prizes from the likes of Red Sox tickets to Cavs, Warriors, and of course Celtics merchandise from the 47 brand. And yes, alcohol as well. The watch party will be for Game 4, which is on the 11th of June. And as stated, down at the Bleacher Bar on Lansdowne Street, and to book your attendance, check out the link on our Twitter handle, at Celtics underscore beat. That's at Celtics underscore beat. We'll also throw one up on our Facebook page as well, facebook.com slash Celtics beat. And sign up if you're looking to enhance your viewing experience for the 2015 NBA Finals. Even more, back in a few with Peter Vesey. Are you looking to lose weight, burn fat, pack on muscle, or just live a healthier life by sleeping better and worrying less? Well, aren't we all? 
Unfortunately, we've spent years quibbling over phony studies, fad diets, and dangerous prescription drugs that have prevented us from living our lives to the fullest and have done more harm than good. But thankfully, science has prevailed, and we now know that there is no other way in achieving optimal health than by consuming what nature has to offer us in its purest form possible. Hi, I'm Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and critically acclaimed author of Fall of the Boston Celtics. And let me tell you about Dr. Ron's Ultra Pure Nutritionals. Dr. Ron's supplements are 100% additive-free. They contain no magnesium stearate or other flowing agents, binders, lubricants, coatings, fillers, GMOs, or other added ingredients of any kind. And best of all, they work. Dr. Ron's supplements are my personal go-to for anything from post-workout recovery to achieve optimal gains all the way to stress management, as they have one of the widest varieties to choose from anywhere. So if you're not getting the results you want from maddening forms of dieting and dealing with adverse side effects from other harmful drugs, remember one thing. As Hippocrates said, the natural way is the only way. Let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And let Dr. Ron's Ultra Pure Nutritionals be the remedy for you. Available only at www.drrons.com. Hey, this is Nick Gelso, co-owner and founder of CLNS Radio. Today's podcast is brought to you by lynda.com. lynda.com is the home of expert video tutorials. Because you're such a loyal listener of CLNS Radio, and it's 2015, you want to kick the new year off in style, claim your free trial today from CLNS by going to lynda.com slash CLNS. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash C-L-N-S. Okay, welcome back into Celtics Beat. He is here, Peter Vesey, longtime basketball scribe, spent many of his years writing for the New York Post covering the NBA, and our chat today with Peter is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the leading source of audiobooks online with over 180,000 downloadable titles to choose from. From fiction to nonfiction to periodicals, audiobooks are great to listen to wherever you are and whenever you want. And for our Celtics Beat audience members, Audible is offering your first audiobook for free to give you a chance to try out For My Money, one of my favorite sources going. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics to grab your free audiobook. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. And I personally cannot thank Audible enough for not just supporting this podcast, but for the service they provide. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. All right, so Peter, I have to ask you right off the bat, before we get into the NBA Finals, obviously game two is you played later tonight. Alvin Gentry, he's back in the NBA. I have to get your take sort of on this. Well, he hasn't been out of the NBA. He's, uh, you know, with the Warriors as, as their uh, associate uh, assistant. Um, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't think that's one of the best tires they could have made. Um, you look at his track record, uh, what, what has he ever done? He got to the finals of the conference once because he inherited, you know, a team that, uh, Mike D'Antoni had, uh, had basically put together and, uh, you know, given them their whole identity, you know, scoring seven seconds or less. And uh, interestingly enough, you know, Steve Kerr did not hire him. He was the general manager at the time. He did not hire him initially. He hired Terry Porter. And then midway through the season at the All-Star game, in fact, I broke that story at the All-Star game in Phoenix, that he was going to fire Terry Porter. 
because Porter was not playing up-tempo, and um, Gentry was his assistant coach. So when he fired Porter, he, he hired Gentry. And then they got to the finals the next year of the conference. But, you know, other than that, I think one other year in his, his, uh, in his history, he's, he's been over 500. Now, I get it. He's got some bad teams. But I just never – I never looked at uh, Gentry as the guy you want to hire uh, to go to the next level, you know, after – you know, Monty Williams. I, I thought Monty Williams did, did a real good job considering all the injuries they had. So I, I think they could have done a lot better. Yeah, I would also say so, too, and I'm probably going to touch upon a little bit later. I look at a guy like Gentry as sort of like the ultimate retread, almost like the Norv Turner, who seems to keep weaseling his way in a head coaching jobs in the NFL. But it is the NBA Finals. It's sort of I definitely want to get going. Obviously, I think really to ease, you know, ease way into the discussion, game one was played back on Thursday. What's sort of your take from what you saw back there on Thursday night? Well, the biggest thing I come away with it is that Kyrie Irving is injured. And when he went down, um, it, it looked bad. It uh, looked bad after the game when he was on crutches and uh, continues to look bad. Um, I, so I tweeted, you know, Warriors in four. Because without him, it, it, it will be Warriors in four. It will be a, a reenactment of the 1975 championship series when the Warriors upset the Bullets. Um, I'm just hoping that uh, they they reschedule Game Four at the Cow Palace <laughs> because in those in '75 they had to switch they had to switch games. Uh, that's how that's how bad the NBA was back in those days. They didn't even have their arena. Well, I guess they figured they'd never going to get to the finals, so they had uh, given their arena to some other uh, sport. I don't I don't remember what it was. Might have been knock hockey. But um, so that's 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 what I come away with. It, it uh, they they had the chance to win it in the first game. Uh, LeBron has the ball with the last shot, supposedly the last shot, and he takes a fadeaway three pointer. Um, just absurd, you know, for a guy who is as smart as he is on the court. You know, he gets the accolades for having a high IQ basketball. And um, how how you could do that, I, I, I just don't get it. You know, some people said that, uh, you know, he's still afraid to go to the free throw line in that situation. I, I don't I don't know what that what it is, but LeBron was being played one-on-one, and there was a lot of daylight getting past that number one. And you get past that number one, that one guy that's guarding you, you're going to get fouled, or you're going to make a shot, or you're going to do both. And um, he's smart enough, uh, he's agile enough to, to uh, avoid anybody who tries to take a charge on him at that position, at that point. So it, 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 they, had this, they had their chance, and then it goes off the rim, and uh, Shumpert puts up a last-ditch shot, and that slides off the rim. And, and then, uh, you know, as we saw, they, they were finished. They didn't score again until LeBron, you know, right at the end of the game, uh, where they had two points in overtime. And, so I think that was that was it. No Kyrie, no win in that game. It's terrible, but I you know I do think it's over. Yeah, and that's what I sort of said to myself in the opening, and I was actually saying it on the show last week because, as we remember, there was a basically a Super Bowl esque bye week in the lead up to the final, so I had plenty of time to sort of just dissect it. Even before the series, 
I didn't think Cleveland had any chance to win a game in Oakland. I thought it would be sort of the standard six-game NBA Finals where you get the teams. Just they, look, I, I could see, I mean, I thought originally it would play out where Golden State would probably grab one. They would just need to get one in Cleveland, and they'll finish them off in six games. You're right, it could be quicker. I still think I want to stick with the Golden State in six prediction. But it seems pretty clear that they did sort of avoid Cleveland's, you know, biggest haymaker, and they they absorbed a 44-point outing for LeBron James despite that final play in regulation and still won the game. Well, look, their their strategy was clear. I did a radio show in New York uh, a couple hours before, and I'm not I'm not following the game, you know, like I did before. Uh, but I, I figured out that that was going to be the strategy of, of the Warriors is to just try to make sure that uh, LeBron does not get to the free throw line uh, much and uh, and play him for the outside shot, play him, play him as much as you can, so you make him make him shoot, and um, you just don't have enough guys around him that can pick up the slack when he's not hitting. He was hitting, but. But you can you can absorb that, and uh, the strat- strategy worked. You know, he got his forty something, but uh, uh, Kyrie got his twenty three. And then look, the bench nine oh, points from the bench. Probably they outscored yeah, thirty nine to nine, something like that. And and uh, and then of course the rebounds and the assists that the, that the subs you know put together for both teams is like it, it was a romp. And you know, interestingly, is that uh, J R Smith was the guy who had the nine off the bench. He had them all in the first half. And he was 3 so of they, 13. They were, so they, but they were scoreless. The bench was scoreless in the second half in overtime. Yeah. That's, that's preposterous. <laughs> Especially when you go going up against a team that has one of the deepest benches, if not the deepest bench in the NBA. And uh, so they got great production from five people. And Iguodala being being the best of all, they they had uh, boy, what did they get? Twenty nine or something from their small forward, Barnes and Iguodala. That's uh, you know, don't hold me to the exact points, but uh, that that's amazing. And Iguodala, you know, playing playing as tough a defense as he does, he turned he turned it over a couple times on LeBron and scored at the other end, and, um, and uh, you know, and Barnes is hitting the outside shot. So the small forward position really came through big time. The guards, the backcourt, of course, you know, they're a constant uh, curry and clay. And, uh, you know, Draymond Green didn't have a good game offensively, but, you know, was was really tough in, in many other ways. So they're, they're a very, very tough team. Yeah, I actually personally, I thought the MVP of the game last night for Golden State, I thought was their crowd because it seemed like their crowd really fed a lot of energy into that second unit. And I and there are a few people whom I have more respect for in terms of, you know, historians in the NBA than yourself. And I think I think the, this Warriors crowd is sort of the best home court advantage in NBA history. Obviously, you had the Celtics in the mid-1980s. The Bulls at the old Chicago Stadium were very tough to beat there. There was a year, I believe, 95, the Magic and the Arena. They were tough. Is that the best home court advantage in NBA history? You, you don't mention the Nets at the Scataway. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I thought they were a pretty good crowd of 3,000. But, um, I, um, you know, they're, they're tough, and, and they always have been. Um, you know, I remember going there with the Knicks in the 70s, 
and uh, you've got a lot of transplanted New Yorkers and uh, people from Chicago and stuff. And uh, I, I love going going to uh, to Oakland for for the games out there. They were they were they were berserk even then. But in, at, back in those days, you know, they had to uh, they had they had special places where all those people could get high during halftime or during breaks. They'd all be smoking marijuana in the uh, you know in, in the back. It was an unbelievable crowd, and and uh, and now it's you know I, I said this um, last year I you know I, I would have uh, done anything to uh, to to be out there as a fan you know it's great not writing anymore and you know you don't have to be too objective and uh, I would have loved it. if Mark Jackson had stayed as the coach I would have loved to have spent a lot of weeks out there just being a fan and rooting for the team and. Uh, um, so yeah, but, but you know, you say the fans yesterday. The fans really were sitting on their hands until that second unit started scoring when they were down. You know, whatever, twelve. So, and uh, you know, Livingston came in and Barbosa and, and, and uh, Iguodala, and and they started bringing them back. And that's when the fans really went nuts. It was the second unit that uh, deserved the MVP of that game. Oh, they really turned the game around because their starters, I thought, probably had a B-minus game. I know Barnes made some shots. Draymond Green was okay. Steph Curry was good, but we know he could be better. The guy that wasn't very effective last night, he did make some baskets, but Clay Thompson, there was um, you know, an iffy lead-up, in my opinion. I talked a little bit about it on the opening. Really don't seem to be—the media doesn't really seem to be doing their job in regards to reporting on his, his concussion. Am I just overlooking into some things, or is there more there and we just don't know about it? Well, I don't, you know, I don't think the concussion had anything to do with uh, game one. Um, LeBron, guarding LeBron had a lot to do with, you know, his, his offense not being what it, what it is usually. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a real good defensive player that takes a lot out of him to play the defense on LeBron. And you know, once they took him off him and had Iguodala on him, they they were able he was able to start hitting shots. But you know, I mean, we we could get into the concussion part of it uh, from from the previous series. Um, um, I know I read Adam Silver's quotes about he thinks the protocol is is uh, fine the way it is on uh, team doctors uh, deciding. Well, whether a guy should play after getting hit in the head. Adam Silver is all wrong on this one, all wrong. Uh, something needs to be done. The union the union is already making big noise about getting something done, and Adam Silver says he'll listen to it, and uh, I sure hope so because you can't have a, a, a doctor who's paid by the team decide uh, whether a guy can get it, go back into a game um, in this in this situation because it, he proved that team doctor proved he didn't know what he was doing because he sent him out there to play. He say he cleared him to play. Clay Thompson. People say, well, he didn't play, so big deal. Yeah, but if he hadn't been bleeding, he could have gone out there and he could have gone into convulsions, you know, as as uh, Maurice Soaps did. Uh, three days later after falling on his head. And everybody knows you can't tell by looking at a, looking at a player if he gets smacked in the head real hard or, you know, or even, even softly in the head. You just don't know what's going on in that brain. You're asked about to spell something or, or to, uh, to stand on one leg or something. 
it, a lot of this doesn't show up until a day later, two days, three days later. And, uh, boy, I, I just I can't even believe that Adam Silver is not looking at this uh, more uh, harsher. But I guess somebody has to uh, go paralyzed, be paralyzed again like Maurice Stokes for the league to wake up. Yeah, I actually – there was there was a book that I read on it, um, a Howard Schultz's book on the military – and even the military really wasn't effective with these concussion tests until really a couple of years ago. Because before with a concussion, it was, you know, you go see a doctor, especially even in the military, they would say, yeah, you know, you're good. Get back out there in the field. Same thing in the NFL. It's, yeah, you're good. They'll be out there, you know, yeah. without even doing an x-ray. So you're right. There has to be some sort of independent observer. And I don't think maybe it's just me sort of reaching I think the media really isn't going to be looking into that because if they do, then they could be sort of crossing the lines with the relationship they may have with the team. That could lead to yeah. possibly compromising. Well, I see stories. that. I, I see the way they handle it. They are worried about that. Yeah. You know, the, the warrior writers, uh, um, and, and even the national writers, they're just, they're just going to attack it softly. Uh, they're not going to go after it. And, uh, it's going to take the union to stick up for its for its uh, people because the people don't the, the players don't stick up for themselves because they want to play and uh, they, they said this for you know decades the players have to be protected from themselves and the coaches aren't going to do it and uh, you know the players the the, uh, the management is not going to do it because you know if they said if they said that Clay Thompson had a had a concussion that doctor determined he had a concussion. Well, then, you know, you're going to have to sit him down for a number of days. You know, maybe maybe he's going to miss a game or two. Had they not had eight games, eight days off, you know, then, then it would have been a, a real problem. The owner would have been saying to the doctor, what are you doing? You know, we need this guy. You, you, you told me he had a concussion. So this guy passed him. But, you know, they had the eight days off, and uh, it, was, it was no problem. But um, in the, uh, what was it, two years ago, the Nuggets in, during the Nuggets series with the uh, first round with the Warriors, Harrison Barnes uh, hit his head, and uh, he was cleared to play. And uh, turned out he had a concussion. And um, same doctor. So I, I'll tell you, and and you know he did play. Harrison did play. He went back in the game and. Uh, and he wasn't right, and uh, and then Mark Jackson asked him, you know, what, how are you feeling? He said, I'm not feeling good. He, said, he sat him down. But it took the coach and the player, you know, thank God, to do something. But um, what if he hadn't? What if he kept playing? So, boy, I don't know. <laughs> I do know. I do know. The union's going to have to protect it because obviously the league is not going to do what it's supposed to. And, and and it's amazing since they had the NFL made all the mistakes, all the people with dementia from concussions, and uh, now we're good. This is good. This is good protocol. Whoa. Yeah, it'll sometimes be... I wish. I, sometimes I wish I had a column. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do have your memoirs coming out. Before we get you out of here, I'd love to sort of ask yeah. any updates on that for us in the audience. I, I wish I did. I, uh, you know, it's, I've written two chapters, and uh, it's not the easiest thing to do for me. For some reason, uh, 
I need I need a, a good editor and some organization. But I've written two chapters. Uh, one one was on Jordan and one was on uh, the Rucker. And I spin off from the Rucker because I had a team in the Rucker. I coached and played back when uh, Julius Irving came out of college. He played for me, and um, I was in it six years, and we won four titles. And um, so they they uh, the chapters were sent by my agent to publishers and two publishers, the big time publishers, are bidding on it, and that's where it stands. So, and I'm just not. I could see I'm just not going to finish it until I. Until they tell me you're gonna pay me. <laughs> hey, you can always get Bob Ryan's advice too. He he put out a good piece. But, uh, describe Bob Ryan. Describe. The ultimate, the ultimate sports scribe. The Brewers twenty twenty calls on the perennial sports columnist with Peter Vesey, longtime basketball columnist for the New York Post. You can follow and communicate with Peter on Twitter at Peter Vesey one. Peter, thanks so much for stopping by once again. All right, thanks, Larry. Take care. You too. One word, phenomenal, utterly phenomenal. It's why I have so much respect for Peter Vesey and so much respect for those in the media, more accurately for those left in the media, not just in the sporting world, but anywhere in Western civilization these days who are still willing to do their responsibility, who are willing to adhere to the two principles of having the privilege, yes, the privilege to have a platform and serve as a watchdog for whatever entity they cover and report on and not just appease the people they need to appease and thus be willing to withhold the truth from the general public. Such compromise is a flagrant foul in basketball terms. It was our founding fathers themselves who said that the press was indirectly to serve in the checks and balances system. They would be the fourth branch of government. Well, we know that today in 2015 and in the past 30-some years in the real world and in the sporting world, that just hasn't been the case. It's certainly not the case in the sporting media, as Peter Vesey so elegantly pointed out to us. I mean, just look at the major networks alone or what many of these personalities, quote-unquote, so to speak, that media members or our media members sadly strive to be. It's a charade. It's pro wrestling in the 1990s. The actual reporting is a colossal waste of time. Please, as I said on the show a few months ago, a month ago, stop watching press conferences. Stop watching live from so-and-so's team's facilities. Please stop watching the you know, WWF, NWO, phony us-against-them diatribes. Reporting, for the most part, it's, I mean, what is it? This this is good-looking but dung-for-brains gal reporting live from practice. I just talked with the coach and the players, and they said, listen, we need to put this last game behind us and focus on the next one. Back to the studio. Okay, yeah, thanks for that report. Now on to the panel discussion, and we all know how that goes. Oh, they choked. They're losers. No, they aren't. This is the greatest team of all time. Where does this team rank of all time? Go to place and vote in our poll. Greatest ever. Hogwash. No, they choked. They're bums. And yada, 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 yada. It's all full of hot air of all the extremities. And shame on anyone who gets caught up in the diatribe. Shame on anyone who does an infinite more shame placed on anyone in both the print and broadcast media who participates in that filth because that's what it is. Yet at the same time, this phony baloney is essentially a distraction. 
a distraction on issues that can really matter. And in this case, you see Peter Vesey mentioned the situation with Clay Thompson. There has been minimal reporting there. And why is that? Why do members of the media continue to adhere to their duties and to their moral pr principles? They should naturally have as human beings and compromise their work. In this case, it's easy to connect the dots. It's simple. Just as in the situations where many media members either withhold or compromise the real story to protect their sources, because we all know these scoops sell, these garbage stories. You can't go to a grocery store without looking at the check uh, line and seeing all the celebrity relationships. And I guess it's less severe in the sporting world, but how many stories we have to read on what's LeBron James's opinion on that? What's LeBron James's opinion on that? Something has nothing to do with basketball. But sadly, it sells, and it's largely perpetrated by the actual sources themselves. And that's, I guess, what gets people Twitter followers, and thus a larger audience. And a larger audience is what the, the corporations, sponsors from other corporations, no matter how reprehensible said corporations are, be it your major drug companies, your fast food garbage joints, it's one big, ever-evolving cycle that screws you, the average little man who has no idea they are caught up in this entire crap storm as you continue to crave whatever crap is being put in front of you. And it's sad because it has unequivocally affected our everyday lives and well-being, our society in general. And while we're discussing a basketball topic, it is affecting Clay Thompson, and it could have you know, big repercussions to Clay down the road. First off, regarding concussions, it is amazing how supposedly scientifically advanced we are as a society here in America, how ignorant we are to this issue. I was reading Howard Schultz's incredible book on America's Bravest a few months ago, read it over the winter, great book, For Love of Country. It is a must-read for any American citizen and is available as an audio book. Remember, you can grab a, your first free audio book on audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics, that even in the military, it wasn't until a couple of years ago where they had the technology to accurately diagnose and, of course, go through the necessary processes for a concussion. We all know what's happening in the NFL with the former players, but the technology, and more importantly, the people who could treat it the way a concussion should be treated did not even exist until a few years ago. Like in the NFL, it was, oh, yeah, you're good. Get back out there for your team. They dedicated an entire chapter to this in For Love of Country, which, for my money, is the best book I've read so far here in 2015. I strongly, strongly suggest, not just to our listeners here on Celtic Speed to pick it up, but any American, especially to the flag wavers and the women wearers who throw the casual, oh, yeah, thanks for your service to our country line out there, but rarely fully appreciate what our veterans have gone through and the commitment they have given to us. Definitely check it out. Available at bookstores, your library, and, of course, on Audible. But what's going on with Clay here? Is he being trotted out there at the expense of his well-being? And as Peter said, where is the media on this? Why are their editors not being aggressive and pursuing this story? Is it fair to question some people's ethics and say they aren't pursuing it because they're afraid of possibly ticking off people within the Golden State Warriors organization who may feed them these all-important scoops or may give them an exclusive interview? I can't say definitely that is the case here. But that's usually how it goes, and that's the way it's been going for the last 30 to 40 years in our society. And now it's sad. It's hurting us. It's sickening. It truly is. And we, like I said, we don't know 
really dark clay we're hearing about, you know, over the past week regarding up the finals. We've read stories, you know, throwing up. It's still very uh, shady in that aspect. I know here, the Boston Celtics organization, they are great to me. They are great to the show, and in turn, they are great to the audience, and we all truly respect them for that, and we truly respect them even more because on this show, we would never, ever, under any circumstances, sacrifice principles for some words from the big boys. Me personally, I could not live with myself if I did. We were all taught journalistic ethics in school, in my case, Emerson College. We should naturally have them as human beings anyways. We would never, under any circumstances, run roughshod over any ethical codes for what is, at the end of the day, the almighty dollar. Many do, but not here, and that's why I truly appreciate the audience we get on this show, and that's why we here at Celtics Beat do our part to be as authentic as we can be, so we can go do it right back to it. And please, feel free to question me, feel free to question anyone on this staff. I love the feedback we get, be it on Twitter or on Facebook or even by email. And yes, I do get questioned and debated against heavily, might I add, and that's good. It's not only respected, but welcomed. That's what we want to see because that's the only way we can enhance ourselves. That is how we learn through that open dialogue we have with our peers. What we do not want is people aimlessly walking around like sheep and going about their lives with being told what to do. How often do you hear people say, they said, they said, oh, they said it's going to rain today, and then it's 75 degrees. They can't even pick it the weather, so stop with they said. Of course, my personal favorite of them all, they said I can't eat that because it's too high in cholesterol. We know where that got us the last 30 years, the most obese and one of the sickest countries in the world, despite all of our capital and our so-called knowledge and scientific advancement. It's awful. So that just, it proves our point regarding the mass, mass media who easily can have an agenda for interests that benefit people that you possibly cannot see. If they, the media, refrain from telling you what is right, that should only serve as an inclination to essentially ignore it and take the power of your own thinking into your own hands and do your own types of research. Even if said research is actually having an open and very respectful dialogue with the people that you do know because that is how I have learned so much throughout life. Maybe in that, obviously, I love to read. That's how, I mean, I do it, and that's how I would encourage everyone else to do so. I know for me, it changed my life. If I listened to they all the time, you know, the, the, the big media, and did what, quote-unquote, they said, it just like, I'd be like so many other of my fellow Americans, sadly, grotesquely overweight, hooked on a dozen different big pharmacy synthetic drugs to cure my so-called ailments. But luckily, after listening to differentiating opinions, rather than get caught up in what's popular and actually experimenting, I was able to entirely alter the course of my life for the better. And I feel bad for those who are still out in the dark in so many other areas of walks of life be it knowledge of what's good and what is not good for our country, the most appropriate ways to utilize our currency in our capital and how to invest money, and, of course, how to achieve optimal health 
I know it's why I let our two biggest supporters on this podcast alone. I do everything I can to help spread their message because I truly believe in their message. There's a reason you do not hear ads for middle aisle supermarket food or antidepressants on the show that many other major media outlets have no issue running because, like I said, I could not live with myself to allow them to profit off the expense of our listeners and the damage they are doing to our fellow human beings. All for, again, the almighty dollar. I truly would not allow. That's why I push anyone I know, anyone I care about, to eat organic produce, pasture-raised, and healthy animals. I purchase a giant portion of the food I eat from AmericanFarmersNetwork.com to treat ailments or to enhance our well-being with whole food supplements such as the stuff from Dr. Ron's Ultra Pure Nutritionals and the healthy and delicious red meat, might I add, and whole food supplements were stuff that were steer-cleared from for decades, all in favor of over-surplus food, GMO food, in synthetic prescription drugs. Look at poor Jared Solinger, who I talked about on this show a few months ago. He still has no idea. He's still in the dark, not knowing how to work out and what to eat to maintain a sustainable appearance and capabilities. A guy with millions of dollars who should have access to that kind of knowledge, but sadly, they are almost preventing him from it. And why is this done? Well, just as the case with the truth being a bit murkier for us to be, it's all an interest, all for money. And the media, it does its part. It sadly has been doing so for quite some time now, be it how they advise us on what we should invest in, all the way to the types of food we eat. And in this particular and small situation here with Clay Thompson, where there has been only but minimal blurbs on his conditions and what he has been suffering in that weak layoff up until game one of the finals played last Thursday. And I gave you my reason why it is a travesty. It really is. It always has been with head injuries in sports. Teams have no qualms about threatening players, calling them wimps, and telling them to get back out there on the playing field for their team when we have seen now over these last 25 years how dangerous head trauma And those types of injuries are, and how horrific it is long-term, where it has directly led to things as severe as murder, suicides, long-term memory loss. It's appalling, and I don't have to bring the names or the situations up. Is it as bad here with Clay? This apparently is his first concussion he has suffered, I guess. We don't know, and that's the real disappointment here, is we do not know what was going on. Why? Because the media did not do their job, and I applaud Peter Vesey and someone with his stature to call his colleagues out on it. There are very few people like Peter left. That's why I consider it such an honor to speak with him here on Celtics Beat, not just for his basketball knowledge and valuable information that he's always been willing to share with us, but as he is one of the last few shining lights in the basketball media, And everyone in this field should strive to be true to themselves and, more importantly, true to their readers as he was and still is and always made a point to do so. Back to finish up the show after this brief word. Hi, this is Jeff Kane, host of Patriots Beat Podcast, the number one podcast on the web covering your Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Like all of CLNS Radio's great podcasts, it is available for download on clnsradio.com iTunes, and Stitcher. Thank you for your continued listenership of Seance Radio's programming. 
To find out how you can continue to support CLNS, log on to www.patreon.com slash clnsradio. That's patreon.com slash clnsradio. And now back to Celtics Beat. Around the NBA in 5 is brought to you by AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. A consumer should know where their food comes from and the standards that should be adhered to. And American Farmers Network's meats are produced by the network of small family farmers who are committed to the most natural and compassionate approach to ranching. Their production standards go above and beyond even USDA regulations and all of their organic beef is 100% grass-fed. From poultry to pork and of course beef... AFN's family ranchers are committed to providing you and your family with the healthiest, most nutritious meat so you can live the healthy lifestyle in which you have a right to. So what are you waiting for? Log on to AmericanFarmersNetwork.com and eat and live healthy today. Okay, let's mix it up a bit here on Around the NBA in 5, brought to you by our great, great sponsor, AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. We've talked plenty of general NBA on this show today, more so than any of our other Celtics Beach shows in a long, long time, largely because of that NBA Finals thing, but there's still plenty of news in and around the association. Brought this up with Peter. We got Alvin Gentry resurfacing with the New Orleans Hornets. Excuse me, the Pelicans. New Orleans Pelicans, I got burnt there. It's not like my father talking about the Baltimore Colts still. The New Orleans Pelicans. Anyways, just as Rich Barry said, the NBA, the most ecologically advanced mega corporation in human history, huh? We thought the NFL had this. And what with our coaching jobs that North Turner has been able to weasel into over the years. But Gentry, he's back. New Orleans, they, uh, with the ultimate franchise player, Anthony Davis, who needs to be appeased even more than Neville Chamberlain did to Nazi Germany in the 1930s. Yeah, what a resounding hire Alvin Gentry was, huh? That'll be sure to keep the franchise happy. There's talk of Tom Thibodeau. You saw the Oklahoma City Thunder. They need to impress guys like Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. They make a splash. They do something cutting edge, hiring Billy Donovan. Very original by locking him up. The Pelicans, well, they grab another failed retread who will do nothing original is very unfamiliar with the new cutting-edge methods of evaluating talent and making coaching decisions. Nothing but another rah-rah guy, ex-player. It's a joke, a complete joke. That will end badly. Gentry is no different than Monty Williams, who was at least in his first coaching position. The only thing the Pels have going for them, as I've been saying for some time now, is that Davis is on a rookie contract, making it that much harder for him to leave if he wants to sign an extension. Using that Kevin Love Minnesota example, it's just so hard for players to finagle out of situations earlier in their career. But still, eventually Davis could lose it there. That's a laughably run organization. Mistakes they've made from top to bottom, it's appalling. It is appalling they can't put a team around what is, for my money, as good as LeBron's been. I still think Anthony Davis is the best player in the NBA. He's certainly the guy you start a team with. How you cannot fill out the rest of your roster when you have a game-changing big man in place. It is so easy. Players want to play for you. They're literally banging down the door to play alongside Anthony Davis. And they still can't put around a decent team around him. And he's been there four years now. How do you mess this up? How do you not get guys in there? And then Gentry, the ultimate coaching retread. Give me a break. We could go on forever, but we won't. We will move on to other unhappy franchise players or former franchise players, more accurately. Dwayne Wade and his situation with the Miami Heat. Leach reported earlier in the week that the Heat offered Dwayne Wade a yearly salary that was under $10 million. 
and Wade is now looking for 20 or somewhere north of that. All I can say is Mickey Arison, what happened to that Heat family? What happened to the loyalty? I personally would not pay Dwayne Wade $20 million, but that, of course, wouldn't be the mission statement of the organization, which... Mickey Arison has clearly made it to be the case, especially when the Heat were patting themselves on the back in regards to Ray Allen and why they were able to lure him there. Talking about how they treated their players, we're all a family, we never forget what you do for us. Kind of in a way forgetting what Dwayne Wade has done for that organization over these last dozen years. Pretty much putting them on the map, winning the title in 2006 and making them a relevant destination. Which of course indirectly led to them amassing their super team in 2010 and winning two more championships. But a bit of hypocrisy, in my opinion. As I said, I wouldn't give Dwayne Wade $20 million, but I certainly wouldn't stiff him and pay him as if he's a fringe starter there, especially when I've spent these last five years going to the media and talking about what a loyal person I am. So man up, live up to your principles, Mickey Harrison, and stop playing games, or you could do a ton of damage to your organization than you think down the line in the minds of players. Certainly a lot more than overpaying for your franchise's best player in history for just a few years. Live up to your message, or that heat loyalty garbage will go right down the tubes along with the rest of your team for the next decade or so. And lastly, LaMarcus Aldridge is putting his home for sale in Portland. Never thought he'd ever leave there, but I think this is pretty evident. I know there's always the possibility that players do this, but the timing right before, and I mean right before free agency, I think that's telling in its own right. Maybe it's a foregone conclusion. And he's gone. He's going to Texas. And we're not to Boston. We know that. Thank God those phony rumors and stories have been put to pasture. But maybe a return to Texas in his future. The Spurs, we know of their cap space. The fact that they'll need to replace Tim Duncan. The Mavs, they're always in the mix. But maybe he just views the Blazers. They've run their course, which is odd because it seems just like yesterday, 2013, right? Or when they had this up-and-coming young team, Damian Lillard. Guess they've maxed out, and Aldridge is more than willing to move on. Try something else, and of course, could be itching for a return home. Although Portland, the Pacific Northwest, the most underrated living area in our country, but maybe it isn't for him. Certainly now is the first time I am actually accepting Aldridge moving on, as though for the longest time, I thought he'd end up staying there when it was all said and done, but... Home for sale with just weeks to go before free agency. I think the cat's out of the bag now. Something's up, and we'll just have to wait and see what it is. And I'm sure in the weeks ahead on this show, we'll talk plenty more about LaMarcus Aldridge's situation, just not with the Boston Celtics in the same sentence. But that'll wrap up this week's edition of Around the NBA in 5, presented by AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. And on the last few shows, I've mentioned to our listenership about a great event coming up two weeks away now, the opportunity to celebrate JoJo White's induction into the Basketball Hall of Fame Saturday. June 20th at Tony C's Sports Bar and Restaurant on 3rd Avenue in Burlington, Massachusetts. You can celebrate JoJo White's Hall of Fame induction to reserve your spot in attendance. Contact Mark Bonanza at 978-840-0500. That's Mark Bonanza at 978-840-0500. And you will receive a signed autographed copy of JoJo's biography when you attend. That's Saturday, June 20th at Tony C's in Burlington. And you can reserve yourself once again, 978-840-0500. And that is going to do it for this week's edition of Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, Chuck Dietz, Hyde 209, Ostravex, and Steph Legato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore beat. And you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show at Facebook.com, South Celtics Beat. You can also check us out on Google Plus, Celtics Beat on CLNS. Love to thank our guest, P. 
Peter Vesey, as well as our sponsors, Linda Audible, Casper, Dr. Ron's, and American Farmers Network for making this all possible. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, program director, Nick Gelso, and myself, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat. I am Larry H. Russell. See you this Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, heard exclusively on CLNS Radio.